leukemia stem cells they are. They're like zombies. Hi, I'm Michelle Brie Baker for N Equals One, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. And I'm Heather Bushman. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, or one scientist. Today on N Equals One, we're talking about stem cells, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So Heather, we hear about stem cells a lot in the news about different therapies, uh, different treatment options, um, things that can really help people, but I want to just back up. First of all, what is a stem cell? What does it do to your body? A stem cell is, by nature, similar to an embryonic cell, right? So if you think about a developing embryo, we all start out as just the merging of two cells, right? An egg and a sperm. And yet yeah, an entire person develops out of that. So early on, those embryonic cells have the ability to become any kind of cell in the human body. So from those two cells, we eventually get skin cells, heart cells, brain cells. Then as adults, most of our cells are fully formed, have fully specialized into the certain kind of cell type they're going to become but we still do maintain a few populations of stem cells in certain areas of the body. To learn more, I spoke to someone actually in the stem cell research trenches. My name is Leslie Cruz and I'm a, an assistant project scientist in the lab of Katrina Jameson at UC San Diego. And our lab is in the Sanford Consortium for Regenerative Medicine. Stem cells are present actually in almost every organ of your body. Back in, you know, 50 years ago, people didn't know that you could get new neurons in your brain. And now people still may not know that, but there are specific cells in the human brain that even as an adult can regenerate. And throughout life, you continually replace these cells in the brain, in the liver, and in the, uh, in the skin. So this is how your your tissues and your organs actually repair themselves and restore themselves and um, how we can live for 90 to 100 years. Well, during aging, they start to lose that ability. They start to slow down just like the rest of our bodies do and they don't work as well. So they can also become very defective in states of disease. What are some specific diseases being targeted with potential stem cell therapies? It's true that there is a lot of promise for using stem cells as therapies, but first I wanna emphasize that stem cell therapies are still very much experimental. Researchers are studying them in the lab and testing them in clinical trials for safety and efficacy. Very few are FDA approved. That being said, we do hear about stem cells in the news often because of the great promise that they hold for diseases where you need fresh new cells. One that first comes to mind that's been a very attractive target to the stem cell community and in what's known as regenerative medicine, and that's neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's disease. So those are problems where you have neurons dying off or malfunctioning prematurely, and wouldn't it be great if we could just replace them with fresh neurons? Another example is in the heart. So if, if you have a heart attack, the oxygen to the heart has been cut off and you might get a little some dead tissue some of the the heart muscle cells have died off if we could just replace them with fresh heart cardiac cells uh, that would be a fantastic treatment 
Do all stem cells being explored as possible therapeutics come from developing embryos? There's different kinds of stem cells, right? So I'll let Leslie explain. Yeah, so I think some of the, there are a couple of common misconceptions about stem cell research, and that's something that's always intrigued me since the beginning that I got interested in working with stem cells. And it was sort of launched in this era of embryonic stem cell research. And that caused a lot of ethical concerns about the source of the stem cells that were being used for research. And that has led to this long-standing uh, misconception that all stem cell research uses embryos, which is not at all true. And now there's been a lot of advances that allow us to uh, use adult stem cells and other stem cells that we can generate from adult tissues. There's a fairly new technique, which is really exciting, where scientists can, can take a fully differentiated cell, just your skin cell. So that's easy, a little, just take a skin sample. It's not so invasive. And then they've figured out ways in the lab to, um, using a certain molecular cocktail, dial those cells back, developmentally speaking, and turn them into stem cells, a certain kind of stem cell. And then, once they've got that, those self-renewing stem cells with potential now, they can add new factors that drive the development of those cells into becoming whatever type of cell they want. So this is called Incredible. induced pluripotent stem cells. And what's cool about that is it is your own cells and it's personalized, right? So they could use that, scientists could use those cells to say you needed new heart cells or new neurons start with your own skin and drive that forward until it becomes a self-renewing population of personalized heart or brain cells. These types of products, we call them cellular therapeutics, they can be used for potentially regenerative medicine therapies. So this is where stem cell tourism has become something very interesting to people who have diseases that might not have a cure. They might have an idea or have heard from a friend that there could be a treatment with stem cells that they could get that might help cure their disease. Well, other countries have some less strict guidelines for performing such medical procedures and people will go to other countries to get procedures done with products that really aren't studied for safety or even efficacy. So they may not actually cure a disease and they could cause more harm than cure. So let's talk now about the bad and the ugly when it comes to stem cells. Right, so we've talked about how adding back new stem cells to somebody or you know, transferring stem cells to a person would help treat their disease, right? And in those cases where there's lacking cells or they're dying or damaged, but there's one problem, how do you convince those cells to stop growing and dividing and creating new cells at some point. Because at some point, say you're putting, introducing stem cells to somebody's brain, for example, to replace these damaged and dying neurons. But if they just keep on going and going, next thing you know, you've got a brain tumor and now you've got a whole new problem. Mm -hmm. Leslie explains it this way. It's kind of a yin, yin and yang of stem cells where they can be functionally very good for your body, but also they could become uncontrolled and cause tumors and be a bad thing for your body. Scientists are starting more and more to recognize that cancer stem cells are at the root of many different kinds of cancers. So the idea here is that 
there's in a tumor, you've got your standard tumor cells of whatever type it is, but some population of those are actually stem cells that keep it going. And the danger is that even if we're treating the tumor with our standard therapies, those therapies aren't targeting the cancer stem cell population, which may look molecularly very different than the tumor cells. So we're, we're sending in therapies to target and kill off these tumor cells, but they're not even touching the cancer stem cells. So you, you think you've got all this tumor, but if you've got a few cancer stem cells left in there, then chances are it could come back. So stem cells behaving badly, one of my, uh, my pet projects. As I mentioned, there's this two sides, two faces to a stem cell. And while we need them during development and we need them to maintain our adult tissues, they can go haywire. They can become uncontrolled uh, in their behavior when cancer begins. So in cancer, in particular leukemia, um, which is what we're studying in the Jameson lab, the normal stem cells that are in the blood and bone marrow of a patient actually undergo a process called malignant reprogramming, which is something that my mentor Katrina Jameson has talked a lot about. And these cells can turn back into a very pr more primitive embryonic-like uh, progenitor and then renew themselves indefinitely. So then you get these cells that can't stop growing and they form the leukemia tumor. Not only do you have to get rid of the tumor cells, but you have to target these more primitive, more resistant leukemia stem cells that have formed. And those cells tend to form through different pathways, different processes um, in different cancers, but they ultimately activate many of the same survival pathways. So it strikes me that these uh, cancer stem cells are kind of like zombies. The leukemia stem cells, they are. They're like zombies. They keep, keep going. They will destroy everything in their path, and they are actually preferentially surviving because they have turned on molecules that allow them to survive better. Are researchers doing anything to stop out-of-control stem cells, particularly in cancer? So I spoke to Leslie about some of the things that they're doing right now to try to turn off those pathways and get rid of cancer stem cells. One approach that they're taking is aimed at RNA. So to tell you how this works, I have to go a little bit back to the basics of molecular biology. When, uh, when the DNA in a cell is translated into the cellular machinery and the cellular instructions to make the cell behave properly, the DNA has to be changed into RNA, and that message then is turned into protein. So that's something that is known as the dogma of, of uh, biology, that DNA forms RNA, and then from that, protein carries out the instructions of cell behavior. Leslie and the Jameson lab have found that there are certain proteins in the cell that edit the RNA. So in cancer stem cells, they're editing the RNA in a way that it isn't in a normal cell. And those RNA editing enzymes help drive survival of these, these cancer stem cells. So what they're trying to do is find ways to target those enzymes and stop this RNA editing. Okay, so wait a second. Don't we always talk about genes and DNA mutations when it comes to understanding the causes of cancer and looking for new treatments? Well, yes, that's true. 
and cancer-fighting approaches that target DNA are important and ongoing, but Leslie says, well, I think in the, in the area of cancer research, we've always understood that DNA mutations can cause cancer. And that was obviously one of the first things known to cause cancer. And that's been studied in a lot of studies now. There's huge sequencing projects underway to look at the DNA mutations that are associated with cancer. And we know now that there are thousands, hundreds of thousands probably, mutations that occur across the spectrum of different cancers. But now we don't know what that all means and we haven't been able to cure cancer yet. What RNA editing is, is actually very similar to DNA mutation, but it occurs at another level in the RNA and it could be turned off. Whereas mutations, once they're there, they're in the DNA, so you can't really turn that off. But in the RNA, there's a way, you know, that, that's a level that we can actually target because it's an enzymatic process. So how does the role RNA editing plays in cancer stem cells translate to better patient care? Leslie has been working on a diagnostic tool that also detects RNA editing activity in stem cells. So yes, that's a, a key thing that we're trying to uh, develop tools so that we can detect that activity. So that's something that I developed in the lab was a diagnostic tool to detect RNA editing activity in stem cell populations such as leukemic stem cells. Uh, another project we're working on very hard is to figure out how can we block that activity. So that's a very important thing that we're trying to move forward and it has, has the potential to stop the, uh, the contribution of leukemia stem cells to disease relapse and drug resistance. And this kind of starts to get us at this whole concept of personalized medicine mm -hmm. that we've also heard people, we right. hear people talk about all the time. What that means here is the RNA, this nefarious RNA editing that certain populations of cancer stem cells are doing, particularly in, in leukemia, that might not be happening the same in everyone. Mm -hmm. So before they can know who might benefit best from a new drug that blocks this RNA editing function, they need to know who, who has this and who doesn't. You know, we always like to think about developing not only a therapy, but then how can we predict what patients would be best candidates for that therapy, as well as how are they responding to it. So that's what this diagnostic could do if a patient has high editing levels uh, in their stem cell populations measured by this assay, then we could potentially target them with a specific inhibitor and then during their therapy, we can measure how they're responding by seeing if it turns down their RNA editing signal. That seems like a tall order. <laughs> so if everybody, you know, their, their makeup is different, right? So exactly. that seems like quite a challenge to exactly. be able to do. Right, so we, I, you know, we don't even know what percent of leukemia patients would a drug like this benefit. What in general do you think listeners should take away from this? Think twice when you hear about stem cell therapies in being advertised or touted. Therapies that use stem cells are very rare and for the most part extremely experimental right now. In fact, the three trials that are currently underway here at UC San Diego are still in phase one, which means they're just looking at patient safety right now, not even at efficacy yet. So if 
somebody hears about I don't know, a professional athlete receiving a stem cell treatment for an injury, or if you see some health spa advertising skin treatments with stem cells, you know, think twice about it. First of all, there's probably no evidence that any of those mm -hmm. are actually gonna work. And so, you know, at in best case scenario, you'd be wasting your money. But <laughs> yeah. in worst case scenario, you are exposing yourself to foreign cells mm -hmm. one and then cells that are you know have a dark side to them so basically when you see some of these ads um, for treatments or skincare uh, remedies if it seems too good to be true it probably is and let's be honest unfortunately we all know there is no fountain of use stem cells and regenerative medicine is a huge field right now whether it's looking at curing what ails us or <laughs> looking at them from the perspective of trying to stop them before they cause cancer. It will be exciting to see what the future holds in this field. There are so many possibilities. For N equals one, I'm Heather. And I'm Michelle. Thanks for joining us.